You are listening to The Current Podcast, the official podcast of UC San Diego's IT Services Department. I'm your host, Miguel Rodriguez. Today is Wednesday, January 31st. The next Staff Town Hall will take place next Tuesday, February 6th, from 1 to 2.30 p.m., Hear from leaders and experts from across UC San Diego as they share their expertise and answer questions from our vibrant staff community. Visit the Blink homepage and click on Staff Town Hall under Events to register, submit your questions, and find more detailed information. That's the only update this week. Now, let's send it over to Miguel Rodriguez for an engaging discussion with Aaron Kilburn. Take it away, Miguel. Joining us on this week's podcast is our own Erin Kilburn. Hello, Erin. How are you? Hello. I am doing well. How are you? I'm doing great as well. It's been uh, a, a, an adventure get aligning our schedules so we can chat. It's been fun. It has. Thanks for the flexibility. <laughs> of course. Of course. Uh, I am nothing if not flexible. That's why the yoga comes in handy. But anyway, uh, so let's get into some of the questions I have for you. Easy first one. Uh, welcome to The Current. Uh, I've been excited to talk to you. But first, let's hear more about you. For anyone out there who does not know what, who you are or what you do, what is your role in ITS? And uh, you know, how long have you been with the university? Sure. So my name is Erin Kilburn. I am currently the director of our project and portfolio management office. I've been with the university uh, 11, almost 12 years now. Um, originally thought I would just be here one. I started as a temp, which is a fun story. And honestly, I've worked on system implementations pretty much my whole time here wearing different hats as an analyst, doing data work and systems. BI to project management, and then most recently, the past, it's been about a year and a half now, um, in my current role. Did you come as a student? I didn't. I moved here to San Diego, and about, like, I'd been here about three days, and on a whim late at night, applied to the temp pool, thinking, didn't do my research, that if I worked at the university, I could potentially go to grad school um, for free. <laughs> and... Oops. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so, but it's been wonderful for me. I've had so many opportunities and I've gotten to work with really amazing people. Not at all what I was really like planning or expecting, but um, just following, I think, interests and opportunity. And, and I love working somewhere with a mission that's always been important mm -hmm. to me and um, keeps me coming in day after day. And you know, after all these big projects, I'm like, is this still what I want to do? And, you know, the goal is we're making the university more efficient and sustainable and better able to serve students and perform research and provide healthcare. And I'm not a doctor or a researcher or a professor. And hopefully my skills are contributing, though, to that very, in my opinion, worthwhile cause. I am going to come back to that. But first, you know, back to basics, you mentioned project portfolio management. Um, and just for, and you've been in that position, uh, you know, closing in on two years, a little over a year and a half. 
for anyone who does not know what you know what that means, uh, can you just give an overview of kind of what your day to day is like? My day to day is usually a lot of meetings, and I think that's true for most project managers. But do you want me to give an overview of project management, portfolio management, a little bit of both? Yeah, a little bit of both, but really like what project and portfolio management are, how closely uh, does that actually match what you do? You know, there's the definition that's on your job card and then mm-hmm. there are the things that you do. <laughs> sure. So a project is, it has a start and an end date and it's to create change essentially um, in a discrete package. So you're often standing up a new service offering, maybe you're even deprecating something legacy significant upgrades. These are projects. And the role of a project manager is to ensure that there's structure, definition, clarity of roles, clarity on what the work actually is, who's doing it, when it's happening, and then also creating the necessary and supporting the necessary documentation around the project. So what are risks, what are issues, ensuring that the other more technical deliverables at least, you know, and I'm speaking with an ITS project management or IT project manager right now, that those get created. And then portfolio management, or there's typically program management in between, and then portfolio management is pulling all of those pieces together. And here we have the additional complexity of all of our service work. And I might be jumping the gun a little bit on conversation you wanted to have, but We don't just work on projects here. Folks are split across projects and service operations. And as I was looking to try and do better future-focused planning, um, budgeting, resourcing, et cetera, one of the things that kept coming up was, you know, we can't just talk about projects in a vacuum. We need to also look at what's happening from an operational perspective, especially with resource allocations, uh, because people are balancing multiple things. And so right now the portfolio management and planning includes not just our project work, but also our operational work. Right. And that those can be two completely different things, especially when it comes to uh, the granularity of each of the people logging time and defining how the day, the work day has been spent. Uh, that can look radically different from someone working on a uh, project versus operational day-to-day sitting by the phone or answering emails or uh, responding to tickets on snow and such. Absolutely. All right. So that gives us a little bit of an overview of you know what, what you do, project management versus portfolio management. Question came up in my head really is uh, you talked about project management as as change. So it, would you be able to give like a 60-second project management versus change management definition 60 second yes or less or less (laughs) change management is really looking at the people side of change in my opinion the two are absolutely integrated and good project management needs to include change management Mm -hmm. um i think more traditionally Project management was really focusing just on the brass task, brass task, the tax, excuse me. Uh-huh. And sometimes the people side would be forgotten, mm-hmm. um, which is where that's really been stood up as an additional or its own knowledge base. 
Excellent. Thank you. That That's perfect and succinct. You did very well. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, well, we talked a little bit about, you know, how you got started in this role. So I'm going to move on to a question that I'm personally very interested in. You, obviously, these, these, these jobs at scale require administrative work that focuses on cold data, analytics, the numbers, we have a large staff population. So kind of similarly to what you just said about change management, I was wondering for you personally, how do you manage to keep the element of humanity in the equation when, for example, things like work-life balance and that kind of thing, those faces in the numbers? And another thing you said that I think is kind of related is how you keep the mission in your head when you can kind of get lost in the sea of data. Um, I just, I guess I want to go with more, a little more specificity in how you manage to do that. How do you manage to keep the humanity in the, in the work? I think data always needs to be framed with questions. You're not just splunking the data for the heck of it. So what question are you looking to answer? And I think that the data can actually really support better resource planning and work-life balance. And so, for example, one of the things that we've been looking at, we being managers and SMT, is folks who've been working consistently over 45 hours a week. And that's also informed, okay, where are projects that we could put on pause or deprioritize? Or what are areas where, you know, we need to look at some one-time resourcing to help um, get over the hump. I, I think data is neutral. It's just the questions that you're asking and what you're looking to to solve. Awesome. That's a, that's a really great insight about data being neutral. Sometimes it just seems like it can be colder than it is, but it's all about the objective. It's kind of like the teaching and learning side. It's it, what what do you want students to learn at the end of the day? And it seems like a similar philosophy with this only. It's, you know, what outcome do we want to happen at the end of this project or, or cycle? Yeah, I would go one step further, too. And I think it can also defang what could be considered maybe a slant or someone's personal agenda. And I'm speaking, I think, a little bit philosophically. You know, yeah. obviously, there still is and can be bias in how data is collected or how the question is framed. So those are still important things to consider, but at least in my experience with performance management conversations, if you're very clear about expectations and how that's going to be measured and it's reasonable, I think that that's empowering for people, especially when it's transparent versus having more subjective criteria. On this note, I, I want to talk about uh, something a little more logistical, which is time management. I know that that is a challenge for me. And so I did want to ask you as, as a manager of many people, uh, what kind of strategies would you recommend for getting multiple projects and operational duties complete with quality and efficiency, uh, you know, juggling quantity, which we certainly have, but also making sure that it's quality work? I think rigorous prioritization and being clear and realistic about what's feasible within the period that you're looking at. And this may not be the answer you're quite expecting, but I think ensuring you're getting sufficient sleep, exercise, and nutrition 
you're looking at quality and efficiency, I don't think you can do that without ensuring those fundamental boxes are checked. The uh, hierarchy of needs, if you will. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's strangely easy to forget, I think, when we get busy. It's definitely easy to forget. I, I forget it. Uh, <laughs> so, so I understand that. And it's good to know that there are, you know, we work, we work in an environment where administratively that's something that we have people thinking about. I've been in many environments where that is certainly not a concern. <laughs> Yeah, sleep and, and food and exercise. And in terms of what I was expecting, I like getting things I don't expect. That's awesome. <laughs> I, yes, and I think we, we're all guilty of it, but you know, managing your stress and not being reactive and being able to be thoughtful and strategic, I think those core needs are really critical. Well, okay. We're going to talk Lean Six Sigma because <laughs> okay. I think the last time I saw you in person was at Process Palooza. I know you're a black belt. I'm still merely green. But <laughs> uh, one thing that a big question I had at the end of this past process, Palooza, mm -hmm. were uh, specific examples of Lean Six Sigma training being applied to actually make not only our work easier and more efficient, but, but for everybody around us too. And I'm wondering um, if there's any kind of... Uh, technique that you have applied specifically to a specific project that you could chat about? Sure. So I think two that I come back to frequently are the five whys and um, like fishbone diagrams Right. as part of that are extremely useful and I think accessible. And the other one that I I'm verbalizing because it something that I I also forget or rush past occasionally, but I think is so important is getting your current state and really understanding the metrics for where you are so that once you make the improvements, you can measure the value. And where I see this with system implementations and going back to your earlier question about change management versus project management, say you're implementing a new screen and it's different and there's a learning curve and people are overwhelmed and they say, this is so much harder, but then you actually measure the clicks or the steps to get the process accomplished and it's faster in the new tool. And that can also, again, defang a lot of the resistance or vitriol and just bring everybody grounded back into the same set of information. Conversely, you know, sometimes you do see that, nope, this is actually we didn't make an efficiency with this particular screen, but did the overall process improve or is this an area that we need to focus on um, because this is a step back and we need to at least get it back to where it was. Ah, yes, the control part of Demaic, mm -hmm. <laughs> looking back and uh, uh, reflecting on on the, you know, whether or not it worked or what worked or what didn't. Going back, you mentioned the five whys and fishbone diagramming. Uh, just for anyone listening and to clarify, that is a, a sort of uh, a strategy to repeatedly question a certain uh, potential cause. It, it's looking for the actual cause of a inefficiency or waste by just asking questions again and again. Do you want to uh, explain that a little more or how you've used that? Yeah, this is often 
when we're first getting into something and you make it a very surface answer from someone Mm -hmm. and asking those additional whys you can really get toward root cause which is is very useful i always Um, thought about it like it's the toddler approach tell me more well if you've ever had a toddler and they ask you you know (laughs) the sky blue and you try to come up with some answer to a, a kind of a, you know, bizarre question or, or something that's a little more esoteric. And they'll just keep saying, why? Well, why? 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 Mm-hmm. And that's what it reminds <laughs> me of. <laughs> oh, hopefully um, it's not irritating, but I suppose <laughs> it probably can be just as irritating as a child asking you why the sky is blue in, in 15 different ways. But well, I suspect in a session, though, uh, that you're using this strategy with intent, right? So yeah, absolutely. I don't think it's anything that's not expected. <laughs> yeah, especially when you hear it like, "Well, this is this is just how we've done it," and well, why is that? Because of compliance? Is that because of previous system limitations? Is that because of you know resourcing gaps that you had, or really understanding what's driving certain decisions? Is is helpful to ensure your solution actually fits the need. How often do you hear that response of this is how we've always done it? Pretty rarely. And it's usually couched with some other things. I think most Mm -hmm. folks are savvy enough. That's not the answer you get right off the cuff. Might be like, well, this is, you know, this is how I was trained to do it. You might get like defensiveness if folks really don't know why, or they'll say that it's, you know, it's our protocol. And so, okay, great. But, you know, was this because of compliance? Is it a state law? Is it, and you can really start to uncover some things and it turns out it's because it's, you know, maybe the way we've always done it, but just oral tradition or mm-hmm. pattern. And sometimes folks don't even know why, and that can come up too. And that's, you know, that's fine. That's normal for this stuff, but just understanding where there are, are true constraints and why is very helpful. Yes, absolutely. All right. You mentioned earlier already talking about road mapping. Uh, mm-hmm. In other words, making sure that we have the right, we're allocating resources with you know, more mindfully and with greater efficiency to make sure we, people aren't working 90 hours a week when there's mm-hmm. someone working, you know, 30, I don't know. But <laughs> Um, one of the big tools that has been utilized for this, of course, which makes sense, is ITS Pro. Mm-hmm. So I did want to focus on that tool a little bit since it has been integrated into ITS for a while now. And there has been a little bit of mystification amongst some staff as to how it's being used. Uh, it can be a little cumbersome to use. So. Uh, it's kind of nice to know that something's going to be done with it now. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think I'd like to get your thoughts about ITS Pro as a tool and in in terms of how effectively it can be used going forward with things like resource allocation and road mapping and looking to the future. Sure. So I think there's a few different lenses to look at ITS Pro. And there's the individual contributor lens, there's the manager lens, there's the portfolio lens, senior manager lens, and probably some more. But from an individual contributor perspective, I think 
some of the things that I hope people are doing to make their lives easier are one, using the Outlook calendar time tracking integration. Um, huge kudos to Alex Wu and Charles Bryant for their work on that. When I say it's life-changing, I'm not being hyperbolic. It is so helpful, especially if you're in a lot of meetings. Um, the second thing I would suggest is I think there are some really quick configuration changes to make to your time card view so that it's grid, um, you've got your open tasks, um, anything favorited that you frequently log time to, huge efficiencies. Three, I think leveraging filters, boards, very helpful. And then if you feel like, okay, I've got all of this well in hand, um, I want to be looking forward or better understand, you know, how my time has been spent and more descriptive information or even predictive. There are a number of Project Activity Hub or PAH reports that you can leverage for that. Um, also within ITS Pro and Tempo, you can view some reports as well. So, but I, I still run into so many people who don't have that, number one, that integration or two, haven't configured their time card view. And I get, you know, why folks are frustrated. So if I could plug anything, it's making sure that folks have those two set up. Yeah, I have been using the calendar integration, which I'm still trying to figure out why sometimes it manages to uh, to work and other times it doesn't. I think it's definitely something I'm doing wrong with the language. But yeah, th those are definitely, those kind of automations are are huge. And I, I know that you know, Vince is very keen on finding ways that to use generative AI to streamline a lot of our efforts. Um, I'm wondering, this is not a question for you, but mm. I, I would wonder if, you know, one of the things that AI could be used for is kind of building those descriptions into ITS Pro to be a little more specific as to what we're doing. I think that could be a really interesting use of it. It could be, but then I guess my question would be, how would you use that? I think right now we're still, we're looking at, at more broad swaths of information. We're looking at how much time are we spending on projects versus operations versus enhancements? And then maybe one level down at those deliverables and by resource hours. And yeah. I think this is maybe the other piece to bridge is like, let's not overcomplicate it or let perfect get in the way of the good, you know, mm. get your time in. And I think it depends on the manager, but, you know, I don't think people need to belabor perfect descriptions or, you know, really getting the exact description of what they're doing. I don't, it's up to your manager, but I don't know of managers that are using that specific work log information, at least not for planning or descriptive analytics, maybe in the future, but I yeah. think, I think we're a ways off from that. I, again, I, you know, I would love for us to just have a clear enterprise roadmap over this next year and not surprise each other. Yes. I think there's so much we could do, but um, you, you probably heard me say this a lot. I, I don't want to let perfect get in the way of the good. And we're in an organization of obviously very analytical, detail-oriented minds. Definitely. I love, but this isn't necessarily the moment when we have to apply our, our most like level of detail and precision. We're looking for, for trends. We're looking for information that 
helps make life better and helps us make better decisions about where we're investing resource time. Yeah. So for more of a bird's eye view, if you will, higher. Yeah. And I think even what tasks someone's working on, like that's quite detailed. So then going into adding a description onto that, I think I would just, I would want to make sure we're clear about how we would be using that and why we would want that before we ask people to go to that level of detail. I'll probably get a call from Vince after this recording. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm trying not to talk or, or have anything be too politically <laughs> challenging, but this, this will be edited down. Um, <laughs> that being said, uh, you know, I have quick, quick question of thought. Uh, logging project-based work versus operational mm -hmm. work in ITS Pro. What do yep. you I think, again, it gets at what's the question we're trying to answer. And so for operations, it really comes down to the manager and service owner about what's the level of detail that they're looking for. Mm -hmm. And I've been meeting a lot with service owners and their teams individually over the past few months to do a refresh on what folks have set up. And I think for many teams, things were initially set up five years ago. And now that we've been living in it for a while and have a better sense of what would be useful. They needed some changes. So I'm, I'm happy to support <laughs> teams if, if we haven't met yet. And that sounds appealing. But again, I think if anything, I feel like our tendency has been to go to way too detailed mm -hmm. and we lose the forest for the trees. And I, I would really like us to be looking at making sure we at least know what the forest is and start there versus starting with the bark on the trees. I think that this circles nicely back to what you were saying about keeping the mission in mind. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's a different example, but it's the same concept. Yep. Uh, I love that. And also it's, it's simple, similar to not losing the face of our people, stakeholders, staff, faculty, whoever in the, in the sea of, of data that come in. But I have gone over time with you. I just, one little last one. And I was wondering if there's anything other than roadmapping and such that, that <laughs> you're particularly excited about that you'd like to share. I'm very excited for SIS. And I think there's a great team and we've learned so much on the other ESR projects. And I think they've done a fantastic job incorporating many of those lessons learned and really planning what this work should be like. On the personal side, I am I love winter and I'm really looking forward to some snow time and cross-country skiing and hopefully some snowshoeing, um, <laughs> just enjoying time with friends and family. Perfect. Erin, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule. It's been great talking to you. Thanks, Miguel. I sure hope you're enjoying this podcast. Remember to let your fellow IT services staff members know that this podcast exists. Get everyone to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you can get your podcasts. This podcast is a collaborative effort, and we want to hear from you. If you have any ideas for podcasts or topics, send them to me at its-podcast at ucsd.edu. That's it for today. Keep an ear out for the next episode of The Current Daily. <laughs>